0: Benvenuti amici Welcome to Kimberly's Italy A podcast about our love of all things Italian And if you're new to this podcast My name is Kimberly Holcomb And my co-host and partner in life His name is as follows Tommaso Il Favoloso si, certo. Sometimes we call him Il Famoso. Don't be confused because he
1: can't be both at the same time. There are lots of other things I I get called which are not available on this podcast (laughs) because it's clean. (laughs) We have a clean rating.
0: (laughs) I need to start this episode with an admission of guilt. I just went on Facebook yesterday for the first time in months and I saw so many messages, and comments on our various posts, so I need to apologize. Mi dispiace. That means I'm sorry. Actually, you can say that in a few ways. Mi dispiace, or get rid of the DI in front and just simply say, mi spiace. And in this case, I'm going to go for it and say, mi dispiace moltissimo. I am very sorry. And I'll cast a little blame here in that Tommaso is supposed to be my Facebook guy, But I don't know, you slacked off maybe? I'm supposed to be the Facebook guy? Yeah, my Facebook guru, because I never go on. (laughs) So let's just apologize collectively. How's that? Yeah, mi dispiace. Bravo! Okay. Well, before we start, I do want to say that I replied to one woman's question, which was, how do I get in touch with you about your travel planning? So our website and email information is listed on that Facebook page, but we are also an easy find since everything is the same name. Kimberly's Italy is the website, the podcast, and my Instagram. And for those of you that want to go to Italy this summer or the fall of 2024, and you'd like my help, please get in touch with me via email ASAP. Actually, another little Italian lesson To say ASAP as soon as possible. In Italian, that is a più presto possibile.
1: A più presto possibile. Pretty dang good. I'm much better in the morning in (laughs) Italian than I am in the evening. Yes, we're recording this in,
0: in the morning for a change. Allora, from our last episode, we left the very stony village of Assisi and drove to Todi on the back roads of Umbria which was a very lovely drive. No highways, quite pretty, quite tranquilo. And when we arrived to our accommodations for the next few nights, they happened to be in a renovated castello, a castle. And just like Assisi, stone, stone, stone everywhere, every inch. Um, It wasn't quite a castle
1: like I was expecting. You know, you expect the Castle like yeah, the Monty Python movie where they're throwing stuff down. This is <laughs> from was, the turret. This is much littler. When you say castello, I'm thinking you know, big turrets, people marching down and flaming arrows and <laughs> fucking your general direction. You know, <laughs> that's what that's what they said so, in the movie. Not everyone knows that Monty well, Python you should. movie. It, it's good. It's good okay. for a Friday night.
0: Well, the Holy Grail. I should have been clearer, this definitely was a castello, a castle, just a small version with several outbuildings. And they renovated it, I don't know how many years ago, but it is very, very well done. And this property has a stunning view of the outskirts of Todi, like the quintessential Umbrian country landscape. And they also have all those plane trees whose lower limbs are trimmed as they grow, just basically so it doesn't ruin your view. Did you notice a, them? Yes. they
1: All over Italy, they do a fantastic job of trimming their trees. And, you know, one of the things that I really find amazing about it is the trees are taken care of with, with love and tenderness, and, and they're, they're basically almost like a rendering of a tree would be in an architectural rendering. But you still got a lot of weeds in Italy, like in... In Florence, there were weeds. In Torino, there were weeds. There were weeds all over the place. They don't care about the weeds. They look at the big picture, the trees, and they're beautiful.
0: They do not landscape like we do here to perfection. they don't use a lot of spray to
1: killing weeds. No, they do not. And they'd have to spend, like, be a million men, right, 365, (laughs) pulling all the weeds out. But that's okay.
0: The trees are beautiful. They are. And uh, funny enough, a Roman friend of mine told me a couple years ago that— Italians have, he said, quote, we have simply helped those trees along for the last several hundred years, but they are now, the, the, well, they do define the Italian landscape, so I think it's stunning. So that evening, we decided we wanted an early dinner because we hadn't eaten that day, except for your gelato and assisi and my birra. So we drove into the village of Todi to a restaurant that both Oleandra and I had read about. It had good reviews. So off we went. However, as we were driving up that very steep incline, all of a sudden we were in the ZTL, the car-free zone. But it wasn't really clear until we saw the sign. And you're on like that back decline, put on the parking brake. And I said, I'll go check it out because I could actually see the restaurant from where we
1: pulled over. We are still waiting for notifications from the Italian government for how many historic zones, ZTLs that I drove into.
0: and <laughs> in, Mostly in, in um, Pisa. However, it might take a year or two, so let's just keep knocking on wood. <laughs> we have gotten away with it so far. Anyway, I walked into the restaurant and this very nice woman in the very empty restaurant told me where to go, drive down to the bottom of the hill to the public lot. And I kind of worried as I was listening to her give me directions that this restaurant's completely empty, but okay, maybe it's early, whatnot. So as I left, I saw some people seated outside. So I thought, okay, all good. And besides, that hostess was super kind and helpful. So we drove back down the switchbacks, down to a parking lot, put some coins in the machine for the paper ticket, you leave on the dashboard. And then we go into this little teeny building that had an elevator. We pushed the top button and then all of a sudden it turned from like an elevator into almost like a funicular with one big window. So we saw ourselves going up quite steep and we could also see a staircase, a wooden staircase. I thought, well,
1: why wouldn't you take the funicular?
0: Of course. (laughs) Yeah, good thing this is working. So when we entered the restaurant, it was still empty But we walked through an attractive interior with the hostess because she said, oh, it's so warm out. Let's let's seat you outside with the rest of our guests. So we follow her onto the terrace and like it was we were blinded by the floodlights like a football stadium floodlight.
1: I've been in home renovation stores where the lighting has been more intimate. You mean like a Home Depot? Like a Home Depot, like a big box store. And I thought the next thing I was going to hear was, hands over your head, turn around and face the wall, spread your legs. Polizia.
0: Polizia.
1: Polizia. Whatever. I thought it was going to be arrested there. It was was so bright.
0: pretty brutal. However, the place was full and they were all Italian. So we thought, must be good. They just don't care about the bad lighting. So, Tommaso Beppe and Andra ordered pizza, and I ordered a risotto with red wine, which I had never heard about, nor ever had. My risotto was fine. And I should
1: have looked around right, <laughs> and saw that no one else was probably ordering <laughs> pizza. Because although everything looked very good when the pizza came out, it didn't look good. The frozen pizzas in America are probably they look a lot better than this pizza did. It looked like someone had put ketchup on top of some not quite cooked dough. And the only time we've had a bad pizza this is the second bad pizza I've had. And how many times in Italy? A lot. But we had one in Venice. That was horrible. That was horrible. And this was equally almost as bad. Yes, but I was hungry, so I ate it.
0: Yeah, that was sad too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> The pizza looked sad, and I was sad that you all ate it. Yeah, I was sort of didn't have that sort of normal, I'm in a wonderful Italian restaurant glow in my eyes I while know. I'm eating this
0: food. Well, it was a disappointing meal. We only had one bottle of wine, no dessert. We basically just wanted to get out of that harsh lighting and go to bed. And... We were tired because, if you recall from the previous episode, we had been partying until one thirty in the morning in Florence the night before, and liar. Oh, what do you mean? Because
1: I went to bed at one thirty. Oh, right. <laughs> Wimp. The, the three <laughs> of you ladies were still up having a yakathon.
0: That's true. We were, and you know we just can't bounce back like we used to. So <laughs> we just wanted to go to bed. So fast forward to the next morning. Tomaso and I slept in late, which is unheard of. And in this case, it was unplanned, but maybe we needed it. And besides, sleeping in a stone castle on the top floor is about as quiet as you can get. So when we woke up, I saw a text from Oleandra that she had sent earlier and said, oh, we had the most delicious breakfast and we decided to take off and we're walking to Toadie. And Tomasa and I were thinking like wow super adventurous of them super aggressive right because what we had seen from our drive there the night before the village itself does indeed look very picturesque but it was a long way and very very steep to drive so we thought okay
1: happily slept in
0: (laughs) good good luck and since we missed our breakfast i just walked around to look for one of the staff who by the way Everyone that worked in this place was so incredibly kind, friendly, helpful, all nationalities. They were awesome. So I have found one man, and he brought us two cappuccinos and a little brioche for Tommaso. And we were sitting outside in the courtyard. Because they actually
1: knew we were there, and they knew how many people they had in. And right, and that we
0: missed breakfast. And
1: we missed breakfast, so they knew it. And they thought you might. They thought I
0: might be terribly disappointed. If you didn't have a and I would have been <laughs> Italian brioche. So as we sat there we decided, you know what? Let's uh, we have this day to ourselves. Let's take a road trip of our own and go to the village of Montefalco. We actually spoke about this previously in episode number 63. And since Tommaso had never been to Umbria, I wanted to show him the classic Umbrian villaggio so Montefalco, it was. We revved up the Fiat Tipo and we took off on back roads. And luckily for us, it was a stunning day. Do you remember those like big billowy clouds and that deep blue sky? It was it, wonderful. It was so pretty, visually arresting. And there would be shadow from the clouds and then boom, the sun came out and all we saw were olive orchards more olive orchards, vineyards, tons of vineyards. And again, since it's mid-October, when they harvest all their crops, that typical view of the dark yellow fields and then the green chupressi, the cypress trees, just every time just sucks me in. When we finally got to the village of Montefalco, we found a free parking space, the ones with the blue lines, don't forget. And we thought, oh, we're either lucky or Maybe it's not too crowded. So we started walking up. And let me add a somewhat obvious travel tip here. If you're going to a village in Tuscany or Umbria for the first time and you don't know where to go, just walk up. (laughs) Right? You'll figure it out. All these mountaintop towns, just walk up. You keep going. You find the main piazza and life evolves around that. Mm Mm-hmm. Our first entrance into this village was through an arched stone fortress wall that was, what do you think, at least 10, 12 feet deep? Absolutely. And it was obviously the original wall, but the arch no longer had a door. So you just walk through this stunning arch and into the village. And by the way, Montefalco was settled in pre-Roman times. That simply means before the founding of ancient Rome. So that's old. As old goes, that's yes. really, really old. Right. However, here's a little tidbit. In 1240, the city was rebuilt around 1240. The city was rebuilt and given the new name of Montefalco, in part due to the emperor at the time, who was an expert in falconry. Previously, the village had been called Cocorone. Really? Yeah, I like that name. I don't know what it means. I looked it up. Nothing in particular, but... Cocorone is now Montefalco. Has something to do with chocolate, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so we were there. This date was October 14th. I just want to point that out because there was not a tourist in sight. And we had just been in Firenze two days earlier, and it was the complete polar opposite. Tourists everywhere.
1: Yes, that's where Tommaso gets
0: it, his little... Little
1: aggravated walk when he <laughs> walks around people and looks back and said, Catch up to everyone. And it felt so good here just to be able to walk
0: where you wanted to
1: go right. without having us dodge people and right. walk around people. And, and figure
0: and- out an alternative route to get to our destination. Absolutely. Yes, it was awesome. And as I mentioned, Monte Falco is teeny, but we did walk every single car free street and came across several ancient churches with quite unique profiles. And it's just one of those villages where all the buildings are the same height, basically, about two to three stories at the most. And you know, the difference of that is it allows everything to be brighter. More sun gets down there. Right, less shadows. It was just perfect. So we finally made our way to Piazza del Comune, which is the main piazza. And here is where I you know might have screwed up a teeny bit because it was about 2:30 and keep in mind that restaurante and osterias that are open for lunch they close at 2:30 oops <laughs> so it was one of those days i just forgot about the time so our choice for lunch was the one and only place that was open and it was perfetto it saved me from being hangry <laughs> Very true. I didn't even think about that Thank God, we found it.
1: A little brioche for breakfast and, you know, it was 2.30. Poverino.
0: Poor little thing. (laughs) We sat outside under the shade of an umbrella because, yes, it was still very warm in Italy. And what did you have?
1: I had a wonderful prosciutto crudo. Oh, right. And this soft flatbread that they made in Mm. back with the stone that was also probably from pre-Roman times. (laughs) And La cappa. I think you had grilled vegetables, of course. While I was eating meat, you were eating vegetables. Right. That's As we do. As we do. And you had the same flatbread, and you don't normally eat bread. No. You sort of push it away, unless it's that Tuscan bread with no salt and blah, blah. But you ate your flatbread and the rest of I know. mine. I loved that. And I had so much prosciutto, I didn't even mind. I was like, okay, go. usually I'm very protective with my food. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> that flatbread was delicious. It was warm. Da morire. And we each had a beer. And to be honest, we were so happy sitting there. I mean, we're always happy, but we were extra special happy sitting in this teeny piazza in a teeny village. And our view was that circular piazza encompassed by ancient stone buildings, again, all about three stories tall. And do you remember in front of us was a a marble? It wasn't a bench. It was like a block maybe to prevent cars and trucks from driving, you know, past that part of the piazza. And there was an Italian couple that was eating at the same little Osteria that we were, and we noticed them walk out and they had Um, motorcycle helmets and they were walking out and then all of a sudden they looked at that marble block and they sat down. Then they started laying down and then within two minutes they were like totally asleep and we thought, well, maybe they had a lot of beer or didn't have an espresso. Who knows?
1: Normally Italians don't fall asleep in a food coma because they don't... They don't, they don't overeat. Eat. They don't overeat, but these two, they went to sleep right away. They were a little
0: tired. They mm-hmm. took a nap, and it didn't look that comfortable, but it clearly seemed to work for them. So that was a funny view we had. And then Tommaso and I ordered, or I should say, I ordered, but apologized beforehand for ordering a cappuccino since it was so late in the day, and an espresso for Tommaso. And keep in mind, it's totally allowed to have an espresso any time of day or night, but it's just the coffee drinks with milk that are against the law. But they served them both to us on, do you remember, it was like this wooden board, like a small wooden cutting board type thing. And there's our pretty cappuccino and your espresso in a glass. And they had added these two small sweets that were circular. They kind of look like the tirali sweets from Puglia but they were whole grain with coarse sugar on top. So I ate those too, both of them. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It was your day to pick from my plate.
0: <laughs> After our perfect lunch, we decided to walk on the other side of Monte Falco. And again, no tourists. Everything we noticed, everything, every little sidewalk, every building, everything was perfect. It was neat, clean, super well-kept. There were plantings just like a CC, potted plants, but everything else was just completely stone. And, you know, other than the stone were wooden doors, and that was it. And I actually took several photos that I looked at this morning of these stone walls. And just like a CC and everywhere else in Italy, when they're refortifying or renovating something, if they come across a previous material from that wall or from that building another type of marble another type of stone or brick they leave it they leave it exposed and then they kind of renovate around it and I they do that for history's sake and I find it really fabulous so I took a lot of pictures and I can put some on Instagram to show you what I'm talking about finally we followed the sign remember we saw Bella Vista Bella Vista so that just means beautiful view so we kept following the sign and indeed there was a like a small circular terrazzo with a stone wall and the view was indeed bellissima you looked out from where we were perched still on top of the big hill small mountain you looked out at the plains of all those various crops and then the entire length of a massive mountain range behind it it was expansive that view and beautiful. It was wonderful. And you walked through this little
1: parking lot to get there. And, oh, right. And once you got there, the cars didn't weren't even in the in in your mind because the view was so wonderful.
0: Right. I forgot about that parking lot. Then we decided to walk back to our car, yet on different streets that we hadn't tried so far, hadn't seen so far. And again, this is a teeny weeny villaggio. And we upon um an Italian couple who were so stylish and they were walking their very stylish dog who had a little little like fall jacket on. <laughs> the whole thing was such a visual treat. and we followed them up some of the hills and then down and then we saw a different arch. So we exited through that old medieval wall and finally found our car. When we're driving back to Toady and Tommaso decided to take, yet a different route. And I am the navigator in the passenger seat. So we went through some other small villages on some small roads. You pull over to the side if you ever pass the car, that type of drive. It was awesome. So we're about three or four or five kilometers from our accommodations. And all of a sudden the phone rings and it's Oleandra. And she says, hi, hey, we're still in Toady. We've had a great day but there's not a taxi to be found. There is no way we can walk back. It was such a long hike up and down. And besides, I think I broke my wrist. (laughs) We're like, okay, where are you? We'll come pick you up. So we found them and she appears from around the corner. And um, to to be honest, she looked a little disheveled and... (laughs) (laughs) Oleandra
1: accidente.
0: Yeah. And a little um, ashen color, a little gray in her face. And then we both noticed her hand. She was holding it up to keep it elevated. And we're like, ooh. (laughs) It's like, what would you call it? Like a- Stuffed sausage. Stuffed sausage. (laughs) So they got in the car and she was in a totally fine mood. She was not being a- Drama
1: queen. No. Particularly after she almost got electrocuted in Florence.
0: Right. She's very cool about the stuff that happens to her. (laughs) So they explained that only about five minutes into the walk, they left the Costello and they're walking toward Toadie and she was just taking in the view and without looking down, she just happened to step off the pavement of the road and it was a steep kind of... Uh, gap and she just plunged forward. So all of her momentum of the fall landed on her right wrist. And of course, she is right-handed. So it indeed looked bad, but they said, we had such an awesome day. We saw a medieval festival with everyone in that costume. And then they had a fantastic lunch, a few spritzes in various places, which might've helped with the Broken wrist pain. Pain management. Pain management. (laughs) And she said they went into some interesting buildings, stores, the Duomo. Basically, in summary, they had a fabulous day. So we get back to the Costello and we chose to have dinner early there because it's just easier. I knew the restaurant was very good because I had met a woman earlier that morning from New York. She told me about the birthday dinner they put on for her last night with her group of like 30 people so and it looks nice and the everything was perfect i was like let's just make it easy and
1: you know new yorkers they don't they don't actually cook at home (laughs) they eat out most they
0: have a very high standard because they're eating out (laughs) right seven nights a week so i would believe her whatever she said i would believe her besides she was super nice (laughs) but we started our evening on the West side of the building where they had this really comfortable couch, outdoor furniture, couch and table, and we ordered spritz and the very nice staff member brought them out with those little potato chips that taste so good with the spritz. I don't know what was with me that day, but I ate all those potato chips, too. Yeah, you you were, you were quite the snarfer on the trip. Just that days. day. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. But anyway, so we watched the sunset. It was lovely. That's
1: when you could really appreciate the trimming. Exactly. The pruning of the trees. Of the plane trees. Because exactly. as you sat in those wonderful, comfortable couches that were very nappable, yes. I, <laughs> I actually thought about that. Yeah. Um, you just, you got the feeling that someone sat there and there was someone directing. No, one more. Yeah, one more. one more limb. So you know exactly what you're going to
0: get. It was it was stunning. A beautiful aperitivo hour for sure. And our dinner was delicioso. We had a very nice time, just the four of us at our table. And then the rest of the guests, that American New York woman and her Irish group. And it was just a perfect, perfect evening. And, you know, it made up for the night before.
1: Yes, sure, maybe. (laughs) I'm still crying about a bad pizza (laughs) in Italy.
0: Yeah. The next morning, Tommaso and I were up in time for cappuccinos and breakfast when Oleandra and Beppe arrived, and she looked so much better. She had so much more color in her face. She obviously had taken a shower. She was more refreshed. But then we saw her hand, and there was... A lot more color in that too, like green and yellow in like the fingers and then around her wrist was like blue and purple and it was even more swollen, like creep you out swollen, like, oh, geez. Her hand model career was out the window. So after breakfast, we asked the staff if they could give us a bag of ice. And then I lent Alejandra this very fashionable scarf that I had bought in Amalfi a few years earlier. And this scarf was large, and it was easy to make a sling, and the color, I just want to say, was blue and green in its design. So the drive to Montepulciano wasn't all that long, and Tommaso's driving yet again, and I'm in the front passenger seat. And every time I turned around to say something or look at them, um, with them in the backseat, I noticed, hmm... Um, her hand is getting bluer by the moment and and then at the last time I looked like I couldn't even see her fingers anymore because they were so blue they just matched the scarf <laughs> I was like oh dio mio so all I could think of was hmm it's a Sunday and we are in the middle of absolutely nowhere on back roads so I just casually got out my phone and started googling emergency
1: rooms <laughs> Emergency for amputation.
0: No, gross. <laughs> God, just a broken wrist situation. And, you know, I think that's where we'll leave you. How about that? We'll be back next week.
1: With adventures of Oleandros Accidente Accident
0: <laughs> Day. In Montepulciano. Si. Okay, grazie mille tutti. Ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.